Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by Green Chef. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us forward slash brain. Get a delicious variety of premium ingredients and chef-crafted recipes delivered weekly. greenchef.us forward slash brain. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to Think positively and all your problems will go away. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. I am Paul Coliani, a personal empowerment coach, and this is the show where I help you tackle life's toughest challenges. Sometimes I read your emails, sometimes I just come up with a topic that will be uh, hopefully helpful to you to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, we're going to switch it up a little bit today, and I'm going to give you a, I guess I could call it a path, a path to recentering, a path to rebalancing, to getting into a more comfortable homeostasis. And what I mean by that is that, you know, some of us, most of us, (laughs) go around with challenges, problems, stresses, things that float around in our head, thoughts that really occupy space in our minds that we don't necessarily want to think about. These are the things that make us feel not so good. They can cause unhappiness, depression, anxiety. They can cause us just general stress. And we go through our day having those things either in the back of our mind or in the forefront of our minds. So I want to create an episode today that asks questions to help challenge the problems in your mind. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have problems in our life. I mean, whatever you want to call them, challenges, points of stress, points of anxiety, points of whatever that we know how to pretty much define. If you're in a relationship with someone who ticks you off, then you know how to define that in a way that says that person ticks me off. Or when that person does this thing, it ticks me off. If you're in a job that your boss or coworker or something else uh, upsets you in some way, you can define it. You can say, when this happens, it upsets me. And I think it's important for the very first step toward a comfortable homeostasis, toward a balanced, grounded feeling. I mean, these are my terms, my definitions. I like to feel grounded. I like to feel balanced. I like to feel as if I'm in a more relaxed state than in a stressed state. And, you know, that may not be grounded for you, but for me, it's grounded. I feel when I'm grounded that my feet are planted that I am immovable from all the stress and challenges, from all the uh, vortexes of misery out there <laughs> that try to invade my life or infiltrate 
my homeostatic state. Because when people come along, we are all built differently, so we all have a different effect on each other. I mean, we're all built the same, but we all have a different vibe to us. I don't want to get too new agey sounding, but it, it seems true, doesn't it? We are in a room full of people, and we all have a different energy, a different vibe, a different way of being, a different personality, different behaviors. I like to look at um, the way someone gives off energy as in their body language, in the way they speak, in their inflection, in their tone, in the timing of their words, and in how they look at you or don't look at you. All of these little tiny physical, sometimes nonverbal bits of language that we are getting from everyone we meet that really gives us a feeling about them. Not everyone can really detect this stuff. It's a lot of it's subconscious, but um, this is the feeling that we get, right? This is why we might think someone has a certain vibe or a certain energy or whatever, is that we get some sort of feeling and then we think, oh, uh, I don't like that person or I do like that person or that person's great or that person's not so great. And um, these people that come into our lives or people that we've known all of our lives, uh, we get to know better and better and better. And then we can either override those feelings because we learn that they, hey, they're a good person. They just are a little socially awkward. <laughs> so there are people like that. Or, hey, they're not such a good person after they showed up as a nice person. And now I have to override what I originally thought. I think it's important to uh, really give yourself the leniency to do some overriding every now and then. Overriding, overwriting, <laughs> you, I mean, however you look at it, override or overwrite, uh, whatever gets you to the point of, hey, now I have this experience of this person that overrides or overwrites what I previously thought of them. So I'm giving myself permission to take a new assessment of what's going on in my life, to evaluate this relationship in a different way, because now I am more clear. And I am more clear because they have now shown themselves to me. It's like that line of Vanilla Sky that Tom Cruise said. He was talking to his friend, but his friend was showing up in a way that Tom Cruise didn't understand. And I don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it. It's, uh, I believe it's a good movie. It's, it's worth watching. But um, the line was, and I hope I get this right, you have revealed yourself to me. You have revealed yourself to me. When I heard that line, I thought, that's a great line. It's a great thought process to have. Because when people reveal themselves to us, we have more information. And now we have a choice to override or overwrite what we once thought about them. Now, it doesn't mean you automatically do it. I mean, some people have bad days. Some people get cranky uh, for months. <laughs> some people uh, get into a different state of mind when they're with someone else. Maybe that's not their true personality, but it is their personality when they're with you. Not to blame you, but there's a level of that going on. There's a level of mixing these energies. And what do you get when you mix energies? You get a different form of energy that creates a relationship, whether business, platonic, or romantic. And when you have this new energy, you have to consider that, oh, we have a new energy here, in the process of getting along with each other. This episode isn't necessarily about getting along with other people. It's actually about getting along with yourself in a way where you can live in a, a less stressed place. 
by addressing your challenges, addressing your problems in a way that take you out of constantly thinking about them. But I went along that little side path just to convey that when you are with other people, that you absolutely should give yourself the leniency to reconsider relationships in a way that uh, you take out some of the old programming of what you learned about the person when they start showing up differently. Not that they aren't that person. Not that the person that you saw on day one isn't still there. They might be or they might not be. But at least give yourself the presence of mind enough to now assess who they are today because that's what you're dealing with. You could be stuck, and there are people that write to me who are, that are stuck in a place of you know the first couple months of when they met a certain person. And they're still looking for that person they met in the first couple months. And that person may not exist anymore. Or they may exist, but they changed along the way. And outside the relationship, they are that person still. So what happened? The relationship happened. The, the energy shifted. They became someone else or they became uh, stressed. And this is their stress response. And this is how they're showing up in this stress response. Because that's what can happen. You can be in a great relationship and suddenly the person that you're in a relationship with now shows up in the relationship differently because they are having a stress response. And instead of expressing what's going on inside of them, they don't always do that. They instead act differently. Instead of saying, hey, look, you know, things changed when we started working together or things changed when we started living together or things changed. Instead of saying something like that, and they may not even know why this is happening to them, but they just go into another space of, oh, this is stressful, and that person is being a jerk, and I don't, know, I don't know how to handle it, so I'm just going to keep to myself and try to figure it out. In the meantime, it uh, changes their behavior and their personality, and you wonder where the heck they went. This is why I love having deeper, honest conversations with people so that there is less and less room for interpretation and misunderstanding hey, I want to bring up this hard subject with you because it's something that's been bothering me. And instead of showing up in this relationship as a bothered, upset person, I want to talk about it so I don't have to show up in the relationship as a bothered, upset person. And that will help us get along better. It may not. They may say, uh, oh, that bothers you? Well, too bad. You know, That's just the way it is. That's who I am and that's how it is. And then you have to come to a level of, oh, great. I either have to accept that about them or look at my values and look at my boundaries and realize, hey, it's a violation of one of those things or both. So I need to step out of this situation. I mean, I make it sound easy. I know it's not. But giving yourself that option is a lot better than walking around with stress and upset and trying to figure out what to do next because you can't solve the problems. It's a matter of going in and figuring out what am I going to do about this. Now that I've talked about it especially, what am I going to do about it? So when we return, I'm going to talk about the things that you can say to yourself or ask yourself that really help you unpack the problems and the challenges in your life. So that when you have a problem, when you have a situation that is permeating your mind, permeating your thoughts, that you can't seem to get rid of and you always walk around in some sort of lower level state, some sort of lower emotional feeling, that what can you ask or say to yourself to help you 
break that apart so it doesn't have such a grip on you. I mean, wouldn't that be nice if you could think of a problem that you're having like, oh, you know, I'm in this relationship issue or I've got this problem at work or I have no money or, you know, all these problems that we can have in life. And what would happen if we address these problems in a way where instead of having it define us, we defined it. We told it what it was and how we're going to feel about it and what we're going to do about it. I mean, it would be great if we had that level of, I don't know what to call it, control, um, understanding, uh, or at least the ability to break it apart so it didn't have, like I said, such a grip on us. And so my side path today was about relationships and how we get along with other people and what we need to do when we have a certain understanding of who that person is when we first meet them, but they change. And that's helpful for us so that we give ourselves permission to reassess and try to understand who they are today and maybe why they are that way today and what we're doing in the relationship that might be causing that. Not that you are the cause, not that you are the cause for their bad behavior, but for what might have changed in the relationship. Uh, And you just have to know that some people show a fake front when you first meet them. I mean, that just happens. So you got to give yourself a break there too, because you might have been duped, unfortunately. And when that happens, it's so important at that point to, again, reassess and ask yourself, well, how are they treating me today? How are they showing up today? If I were to step into this relationship today and they treated me this way, uh, how would I feel about that and what would I do about it? Well, I wouldn't have as much of an investment. I wouldn't uh, be so concerned about their thoughts and feelings because I would know what I want for myself and I, I would know I wouldn't want that. And that's very telling when you look at a relationship that you have today and if you didn't have any investment in that relationship, no history, and you look at it and you tell yourself, wow, they're treating me a certain way. I would never accept this type of treatment from a stranger. But yet here I am accepting this type of treatment from someone else. I mean, if they're acting badly or if you're very unhappy because of their behavior in some way or because of their involvement in your life in some way. So that sideline I took for relationships is really good to have an understanding with because there's a lot of other challenges in life. There's a lot of other problems that we deal with. So it's important to, okay, A, let's heal whatever relationship issues are going on and now B, Let's heal what other challenges are going on in our life. I mean, and those other challenges could be about relationships. Most of them are anyway. But um, this episode is going to be about the things you say to yourself or that you can ask yourself to help you get recentered, to help get into a more balanced place, a more comfortable homeostasis. So the good news is you can start to feel more comfortable now because this is going to be a way to start to break apart what used to have a hold on you. Be right back. You know, I try to impress my girlfriend with um, my attempts at cooking. (laughs) And let's just say that half the time she is happy. The other half the time she said, you know, it's a little dry. Or uh, it could use some more 
whatever, X. And sometimes she's impressed. Sometimes, and this is rare, she'll say, wow, this is really good. Good job, honey. And those are the times I latch on to. You know, my former people-pleasing self really kicks into gear, and I hope she loves it. Um, But when I discovered Green Chef, a USDA-certified organic company that includes everything you need to easily cook delicious meals that you can feel good about, I uh, suddenly started impressing her more. And uh, this really made me feel good because to serve a meal that not, not only I cooked, but to have it something so unique she's never had before, that really made me, I don't know, what's the word, proud? To bring something out that she'd not eaten before in her 40, whatever, I can't say her age, but she's <laughs> around my age. And uh, in all those years of life, she's not tried this and she's tried a lot. She's traveled a lot and tried a lot. So it was really cool to have the option to serve her something that she'd not tried before. For example, mozzarella stuffed meatloaves. I've never even heard of this. And it took me about 30, 40 minutes to cook it up and prepare it. And I tell you what, the presentation is pretty awesome too because when I came out and she saw it, she was shocked by that and of course shocked by the taste. And so was I, it was delicious. And that's what I'm talking about with Green Chef. If you go to um, greenchef.us forward slash brain, you're gonna have the option to have these expertly designed recipes that chefs have created with gourmet flavor that you typically find only in restaurants. And not only that, these recipes are sent to you with the food, with a box of food that is labeled and portioned and ready to cook or ready to mix or ready to serve in some way. You do the work, but they do all the preparation. And it's really not that much work. And what Green Chef has done for me is allow me to get beyond uh, the, hey, hon, I fried up some chicken. (laughs) And uh, what I've learned through Green Chef is not only how to be a better cook, but also that I don't have to do most of the thinking and I don't have to shop for the individual ingredients because they are delivered right to my door. And that's why I want to share Green Chef with you. They provide meal plans, which include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. And each meal contains a variety of organic ingredients, which you're going to love. So let me just finish by saying a few things about them. Uh, It's easy to maintain a specialty diet and enjoy exciting new options. With Green Chef, everything is hand-picked and delivered right to your door. And all the ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and they do most of the preparation for you. The meals, like I said, are designed by expert chefs. And they have this gourmet flavor that you can typically only find in restaurants. And with Green Chef, it's easy to maintain a specialty diet and enjoy exciting new options and a lot of variety. So I I really want you to try them out. Go to greenchef.us forward slash brain. When you go to greenchef.us forward slash brain, you get $50 off your first box. And remember, it's greenchef.us, not the old .com. These are the new uh, domain extensions coming out, and .us is one of them. So go to greenchef.us forward slash brain. They have certainly made a difference in my relationship, and whether you're in a relationship or not, you're going to love the convenience and the taste. Check them out, greenchef.us forward slash brain.
All right, welcome back. I'm going to talk about the things that you can ask or say to yourself that help you recenter and maybe get rebalanced or balanced if you've never been balanced <laughs> or to get into a more more comfortable homeostasis. These aren't all inclusive nor are they all designed to work perfectly and some may work wonders and some may have no effect at all. But they're all a part of the healing process and getting beyond former upsets. Uh, not necessarily moving you past them completely, but when you have a new understanding and a new perspective of any problem or challenge that you're carrying around, it can sometimes change everything. Wouldn't that be nice? Let's just change everything in one episode. <laughs> well, let's do this. So uh, I've got about 17 of them. And um, before we begin, I want you to think of a problem that you have of a challenge that you are either working on or would like to heal from or a situation that you can't change or you know anything that you're working on that upsets you in some way, makes you sad, makes you unhappy. And it doesn't even have to be something you're working on. It's just something that you know you have to deal with. You can't get past. I'm sure something comes up for you. If it doesn't, you probably wouldn't be listening to the show or you've been listening to the show all along and you don't have any more problems, uh, but I'm sure there's something that can come up that you can work on. So just whether minor or major, let's just see if these things that you say to yourself have any effect. Are you ready? Number one, if your problem played out to the fullest, played out to the end and got to be worse than you originally imagined, what are you going to do after that? Now, this is one of those questions that doesn't necessarily make you feel better. And you may have actually thought along this path, but the path that we usually play out in front of us is, oh my God, what if this problem uh, never ends and this is the way it's going to be? Or the problem I'm worried about comes to fruition. We usually think along that lines. But let's just think beyond that and ask ourselves, well, what if it got worse than we originally imagined? What if it was a lot worse? Oh, no. What are we going to do after that? So what I'm asking you to do is go beyond the problem. You know, it, it happened or it is happening and it's worse than you thought. You know, what is worse? You can look at the worst case scenario there. What's worse than that? What's worse than that? It's worse than you thought. What are you going to do then? Your answer might be, well, I don't know if it's any worse than that. I haven't even thought about that. Uh. So this doesn't put you in a, a very happy state, but I just want your brain to go there for a moment. And as you're going through these, you may want to pause. You may want to write them down. I may actually make this a workbook in the patron program. So for members of the patron program, I'll have these available to you when this show airs. But this might be a, a helpful question just to get things rattling around in there. That's all I'm doing right now. I'm just rattling some things around there with this first item. But let's get to the second item, which is the question, when you think about all of the components that make up the problem, what makes up the components? This one's a little bit deeper, a little bit harder to digest and try to figure out, maybe. But when you think about all the components of the problem, for example, uh, I don't have enough money, so one of the components is I have all this debt. Another component is I don't get paid enough. Another component is this. All right, what makes up those components? Well, one of them is the credit card company. Another one is the job I have. And when you think about the components that make up the components, 
what makes up those components of those components of those components? So the reason I'm asking you this, it seems like a silly question, but the reason I'm asking you this is I'm taking you away from your very direct experience of the problem. Your very direct experience of the problem is, using the example I just did, uh, I am in debt and I don't get paid enough. Okay, that's my very direct experience of the problem. So let's dig a little deeper than that and ask what components make up that problem. Well, it's the job I have. Okay, what component made up the job you had? Well, it's the job I've had for the last four years and I've only gotten these tiny raises. Okay, what, what are the components of that? Well, I don't understand the question. I mean, that might happen. I don't understand the question. Just think about the components. What components make up the fact that you've been there for four years and have these tiny raises? Well, yeah, I made the decision to take this job because such and such and such. This helps branch your mind off into different little areas. Again, not all of these are going to be effective, and some of them will be very effective, but it's helping you shake the foundation a little bit, shake the foundation of what you know to be the problem. So there is number two. (laughs) Work with that one. That might take you a little while. Number three is think of a problem that you used to have that doesn't bother you anymore, that doesn't trigger you anymore. And when you think about that old problem that doesn't trigger you anymore, where is that in your mind? Now, this may sound like a strange question, but really, just think about it. Where is that in your mind? Where is that in my mind? I don't, I don't understand. Well, where is it? When I think about a problem I used to have, for example, let's just say I was highly judgmental to my wife. That was a problem I used to have. It was her problem too, but it was a problem that I used to have and I needed to heal from because it made me unhappy um, having it. I was always judgmental, meaning I was always unhappy. So where is that old problem that I no longer suffer from in my mind? Um, What comes up for you? There's no right or wrong answer here. Where is it in my mind? Oh, it's kind of in the center of my head. Okay, that might be your answer. Okay, uh, but if that's your answer... The next question is, does that problem still trigger you? Or are you still experiencing that problem at any level? Because this is where it starts to get a little bit, uh, you get some more understanding of what's going on. Oh, yeah, you know, know, if I really think about it, I do tend to have some judgments that pop up every now and then. Okay, you know, for me, that would be a problem that still may exist in little bits and pieces here and there. So maybe that's not the right problem for this question. The question is, think of a problem you used to have that no longer triggers you. Okay, um, how about when people drink around me? You know, when I was in my teens and my early 20s, I used to have a problem with people drinking alcohol around me. And it would affect me because I grew up in an alcoholic household. And that problem used to trigger me. When I think about, okay, where is that problem in my mind now? Because I'm no longer triggered by that at all. Uh it's really small, it's really tiny, and it's really way in the back of my, I don't know, brain, head. <laughs> it's really small, and it's almost faint. It doesn't really exist, even though I know it's there, because I can think about it, but it's so small and faint and way in the back of my mind. It just doesn't come to the forefront at all. It's nowhere near the center where my judgment lies, so I might still have something to work on there. But boy, that's an old problem that I haven't thought about in years and years. It even took me uh, a long time to think about it now. 
okay, so that's where it is in my mind. Now, your answer may not be location-based. Your answer might be, well, where is it in my mind? Well, it's in a memory I have about St. Louis <laughs> or something like that. Your answer is right no matter what. But what I'm going to do now is take it to the second part of this question is this problem that no longer triggers you, where it is, where it is in your mind. Can you put the current problem that triggers you in that same place as the old problem? A little strange, but follow along and see where you get. Let's see, um, a current problem that I face now. Hmm. So I'll think of a current problem. Uh, let's say that it's uh, someone that bothered me in an email recently. Someone that wrote to me, it wasn't uh, anyone that listened to the show, but they wrote to me in an email and they were trying to arrange something with me and they set up an appointment and they were a no-show. So I was like, that's kind of bothersome. Uh, you know, you rearrange your schedule to make an appointment with someone and they, they didn't show up. And then when you reach out to them and it took them days to respond, you think, well, how do I feel about that? So I had to address how I was feeling about that. It, I, you know, I had this feeling about it. And so, you know, what was it about that? It wasn't anger. It was just kind of like, hmm, a little irritated, I guess. And so this uh, irritation, is that still in me? Not really, but I'm using it as an example. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> it's a little bit. Uh, okay, what if I take this problem and put it where the other problem that used to trigger me is? Okay, I'm taking this problem and I'm putting it way back in the back of my mind, making it really faint and putting it way back there. Whoa. You know, to me, I feel this as I'm doing it. It feels so different. It feels like a something just lifted inside of me. I'm doing this in real time. And I feel this change. Something shifted. You know, I don't know if it's a permanent shift, but in that moment, you know, I feel good. Some chemical change in my body just made me feel better. So for me, this problem, putting it where that old problem that no longer triggered me, putting it in the same place, helped me feel better. Isn't that interesting? So I don't know what kind of effect that you had, but doing it this way for me has helped me. So work with that one if you need to pause. Like I said, go ahead. Number four, this is one of my, my favorite requests, I guess, to the universe, to God, whatever's out there. Uh, my phrase is, bring it on. All right, I have this problem. I'm stressed about it. You know what? Bring it on. I don't care. What else you got? Bring it on. <laughs> but I say that with emphasis because there's a point where you just get so sick of having your problem that you just don't care anymore. Bring it on. What else you got? You know, how much worse could it possibly get? And I know somebody's out there thinking, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. If it got any worse, I wouldn't be able to handle it. But you know, you get to a point where it just keeps getting worse or it just never goes away. And I've done this. I've said, just bring it on. This is what I did when I had nightmares for two years. I used to have these nightmares in my 30s. And, you know, they were probably associated with the relationship issues that I didn't handle back then. But I would fear going to sleep. I was just telling a client this. I, was, I would fear going to sleep. And I would have a, a decent day, but at night, I didn't even want to go to sleep because I knew I was going to have another nightmare. I didn't want to deal with it. So after two years, I was so sick of it. And I finally said one night, right before bed, I just don't care. Bring it on. Bring me the worst nightmare that you could possibly conjure up. I don't even know who I was talking to myself. <laughs> Bring the worst nightmare that you could possibly conjure up that makes me so scared that 
you know, I wake up twice as sweaty and twice as anxious and I just don't care. Bring me the worst. Kill me in the dream. I just don't care. Next morning, I woke up. I didn't have a nightmare. Okay, that's nice, but did it work? I mean, you didn't have a nightmare that night. No. From that point on, the nightmare stopped. And I couldn't believe it. Week after week went by, and I was expecting the nightmares to come back. But I just faced it head on and said, give me the worst you got. Give me everything you got. I just said it. And what that did, and this is me looking at it in hindsight now, what that did was squash any resistance I had about having nightmares. And it made me realize that my resistance was a big part of the formula for these nightmares. Meaning, I resisted having nightmares, and because of that resistance, the resistance itself was one of the major causes of the nightmares. So you can have a nightmare one night, and you can have a nightmare for three nights, and for five nights, and for five months, and you probably will develop a resistance because you don't like having them, and pretty soon you could have stopped having nightmares, but your resistance keeps them alive. This is, again, in hindsight. So I look at this and see that I resisted so much that my resistance was the energy source for the nightmares. And when I said, you know what? I don't care. Bring it on. Give me the worst you got. Give me the best you got. Give me whatever you want and make me so afraid that I can't stand it anymore. When I did that, I stopped resisting and just allowed. Yes, it's very Buddhist. I stopped resisting and just allowed. And when I allowed it, where was the energy then? Where was the energy to fuel the nightmares? So I really like bring it on. It may or may not work for you, but it definitely worked in that case and in many areas of my life. Number five, this is sort of along the same lines of full acceptance. The question that you ask yourself about the challenge or the problem in your life is what would happen if you had no choice but to feel defeated and give in to the problem. So think about that. What would happen if you had no choice but to feel defeated? I mean, it happened. Now you are in a place of defeat and you have to give in because the problem is never going to go away. It is prevalent. It is there forever. Ugh. <laughs> I feel, oh, I just, oh, I don't want to think about that because I spent so much time resisting it and trying to figure out how to resolve the problem or trying to figure out how to avoid feeling bad about the problem. And now you're telling me to feel defeated because there's absolutely nothing I can do about the problem? Oh, okay, I'm going to put myself in that space. What does that feel like? Oh, it feels like crap. I don't like it. I don't like it. All right, that's fine. But what that question might have done for you is pushed you past the point of resistance because you may have been resisting and resisting. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. But let's push you past it and say, you know what? That problem's never going to go away. You have it forever. Now you don't have to deal with your resistance anymore. That's what that's about. You don't have to deal with your resistance anymore because it exists. It's true. And you have no choice. Yuck. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you in this space. <laughs> but if you push past it, it can loosen the grip of the, what the problem has. Now it's going to feel like maybe the problem's bigger than ever now. Oh, now what do I do? But that's okay because if you haven't thought in that direction before, these new directions, these new paths of thinking will help you break apart 
the grip it's had on you. So there's number five. Again, some of these are pretty deep, so pause at any time. And number six, we're going to talk about resistance one more time. What if the problem wasn't a problem at all, but your resistance to the problem was? This goes right back to the energy that fuels the problem. What if your resistance to what was, was what made you feel bad? Let's just say that you're driving to work, if you drive to work, and there's a traffic jam, and you're already late, and you're worried about your boss yelling at you, and you're worried about your pay, and now you're sitting there and you can't move, and you have this feeling come up. Oh, crap, or you're angry, and you beep your horn, or you have these feelings come up, these emotions, because you want to resist what is. You want to resist the traffic. You want to resist the idea that you're going to be late, that it's going to affect your pay. You want to resist all of this stuff. What if the resistance was the problem and being late was not a problem? What if uh, the boss yelling at you wasn't a problem? What if you not getting as much pay as you normally would have because you would have shown up on time? What if that wasn't a problem? I know there are problems in general for some people, but let's just say that you defined resistance as the problem. What if I think about the problem not being the problem, but the resistance to the problem as the problem? Now what? Now you have a different perspective on what exactly is making you feel bad. Because when you think about it, what is reality but the meaning we give it? So if we're late to work, that in general is not a problem until we give it meaning. If I'm late to work, then I will be docked pay, then I will be yelled at. I mean, hopefully that's not you and you have a much more forgiving atmosphere. But if it is you, that's a good example. You know, if I'm late for work, all this, all this stuff will happen. But being late for work as a problem in itself, when you think about it, isn't really the problem. The problem is the chain of events that can happen later, typically. The problem isn't being late for work because you could show up, let's just say, and nobody noticed it, and now it's not a problem. So being late for work, the act of being late, isn't a problem. But when the boss looks at you and says you're five minutes late or 15 or two hours late and the boss gets angry, even that is not a problem. The problem is the meaning that you give to it. So boss yells at me, I feel something about it because that means my job is in jeopardy. Or that means I have this fear inside of me because I'm afraid when people yell at me. I mean, there's a lot of people that experience that. I have fear when people yell at me. So my boss yelling at me makes me feel afraid. My boss yelling at me makes me feel a certain way. Oh, the feeling, the emotion could be the problem. Wait, that's not a problem because if I'm late and the boss docks my pay or uh, worse, fires me, then that's a problem. No, that's still your thought about what's happening. That's the problem. That's still your future thinking that you might be fired, that you might get your pay docked. Those are all the things that you are creating as problems in your mind. And I know there are real problems in this scenario, but I'm just saying what we define as the problem isn't necessarily the problem. Being late for work isn't necessarily a problem. It's the result of being late for work that might be the problem. But we define it as being late for work. I can't be late for work because my boss will yell at me. Okay, the boss yelling at you isn't necessarily the problem because it's how I feel when the boss yells at me. I could go on with that, but the point is the resistance to you not wanting to be yelled at, you not wanting to get your pay docked, you not wanting, not wanting, not wanting is all part of the resistance process. And when you resist 
instead of being open and accepting to it of what is, then that either exacerbates the problem or is the problem itself. Again, these may not work for you. They may. But I look at my resistance to almost anything as a problem in me that I need to overcome. Okay, if, if I remove the resistance and welcome it, not that I want it, but I just allow what is to be what is, then my resistance isn't fueling the problem or becoming the problem itself. So what do you do with it, though? What if my boss yells at me and he really does, you know, dock my pay or she really does fire me? Well, then that can become a new problem and we can deal with it in some, a similar way. And I'm not telling you to allow people to walk on you or violate your values or your boundaries. That's certainly something that you need to be aware of. But also realize that there are people that will do things that we don't necessarily like that are beyond our control. And we just have to realize, oh, well, that is who they are. That is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. And I can either choose to continue staying in this situation or not. So on and so on. But the, um, but the point is just to be aware that if your resistance is the problem, then we need to at least acknowledge that. Not that it resolves everything, but it's good to just acknowledge that resistance could be part of the fuel. Let's go to number seven. If you were to write your problem down on a piece of paper and you could only write one sentence, what would that sentence be? And I know there are people out there going, what? Oh, where do I begin? That's going to be so long. That's going to be one long run-on sentence. Well, try to condense it. Because what happens when you condense it is you start to really focus on the biggest issue. Because sometimes I'll get emails that say, my problem is, oh, where do I begin? My problem is when I was 14, this happened to me and my dad did this and my mom did that. And then I got into a relationship when I was 17. And then at 18, this happened. And then at 21, this happened. And then at 24 and on and on and on and on, which is fine because I like to believe that people are writing this stuff out as if they're writing in a journal and expressing themselves in a way to, you know, get this stuff off their chest. I, I do appreciate that. Uh, but there are people that will write their entire history and what's going on today in so many minute details that uh, they lose track of what the actual problem that they're experiencing in this moment is. And I think it's a good idea to get a grip on the most major challenges you're having now. Because I can tell you my entire history of all the problems I've ever had and how they lead me up to this point where I'm having problems today. Or I can tell you when I walk into a room, I feel anxiety. That really breaks it down instead of saying, you know, since I was six when my mom yelled at me for making the wrong friends and being in the wrong neighborhood. And then when I was seven and then when I was eight, she did this and my dad did that. All of these things may be related and absolutely relevant. But I want you to get to a point where you can describe the most major part of your problem in one sentence. When I do this, I feel that. When I think of this, I feel that. And what this can help you do is get over the overwhelm. It can help break down all the issues that you know you're having into a simpler method of understanding, a simpler breakdown of understanding. I know there's more to it. I know that it's deeper and it's complex. And you probably already know this by heart. I just know I have this problem. That's easy. I have this problem. Well, put it in one sentence and write it in a way that conveys the exact issue 
as much as you possibly can. I know it's tough in one sentence, but do so in a way that helps you understand that when I do this specific thing, I feel this specific way. Or when someone says this specific thing, I feel this specific way. And I know there's going to be multiple things that are happening in your life. And if that's the case, maybe you need to zoom out a little bit more and say, well, when he says this, this, and this, and this, I feel this way. So you can break that down into a smaller sentence and say, well, when he comes at me with that inflection in his voice, that zooms out a little bit more. That makes it a bigger picture, right? Instead of saying, when he or she says this, 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 or this, or this, or this, and he or she does this, 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 or this, uh, then I feel this way, and I feel this way, and I feel this way. If we zoom out on that and make it a bigger picture, well, what does all that mean? What do all those things have in common? All those things have in common uh, is that the person says them a certain way, or they only say them when I come home from work, or they always say my name instead of calling me honey when they talk to me this way. And that's part of the big problem. I know there might be multiple problems you're dealing with, but think of the most major problems in your life and try to zoom out, try to make them bigger picture, try to find common elements and components of those problems so you can break them down to one sentence. Because one sentence is a lot easier to work with than an entire plethora of issues that you don't even know what to do, where to begin when you have all those things. These are just exercises. These are just ways to get you to a better place. Some of these will work, some of these won't. And um, I'm going to give you the rest of them when we come back after this. Let's take a little break, and I'll be right back. Welcome back. We're going to go right into number eight. And uh, just as a reminder, these are the steps to recentering, getting balanced. I like to look at it as getting grounded because when you're grounded, you're, you're really rooted so that nobody can knock you over. Nobody can get you down. It doesn't always work. <laughs> it doesn't always work when you're around people that are very good at getting you down. But these are ways to help you through any challenge that you're holding on to, any upset Anything that makes you unhappy, if you're holding on to it, if it's very prevalent or if it's something low level that's always in the back of your mind, let's deal with this. Let's shake loose the grip that it has on you. So this is why we're doing this. Number eight is asking yourself, uh, and you've heard me say some of these things before, but these are all condensed into one action-packed episode. Number eight is, how is that a problem? I love that question. How is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because, you know, I feel bad when my boss yells at me. Okay, and number eight has uh, two extra questions. What's so bad about that? Well, it's bad because my boss yells at me and I, I feel bad and I think I'm going to lose my job and I don't know if I can get another job. Okay, and this is 8.C. Uh, why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? Because, and you'll come up with something. So number eight has three questions. How is that a problem? What's so bad about that? Because you're going to answer that question, right? How is that a problem? Okay, I answer that question. What's so bad about that? I'm going to answer that question. And then the third question is, why is that a big deal? 
So yes, some of these are big deals. Some of them are the biggest problem you've ever had in your life. I know this. But ask yourself these questions anyway. Because when you do, you start challenging your old belief model, your old perception system that, oh, this is the problem and I'll never get past it. Maybe some of these questions will help you start to see that there is something past it, that there is some sort of different emotions that you can experience, some sort of different path that you can take that maybe you didn't see before. It's helping you to clear the fog and give you some clarity. Number nine is going down the worst case scenario. We kind of talked about this already. Number nine is what's worse than that? I like this question too. What's worse than that? Well, uh, if I get fired, I'll be broke. What's worse than that? If I'm broke, I go hungry and I'll, I'll lose my house. What's worse than that? What's worse than that? I don't want to even think about what's worse than that. But you go down the path of asking yourself these, this question over and over again until you almost literally can't answer anymore. What's worse than that? I'll uh, be dead. You know, We're going to jump to that final thing. But don't jump to the end. Just ask the question incrementally. You can't just say, I'll be dead. That'll be the worst thing. Because then you skip all the learning in the middle and all the thought processes that are going to take place. And what happens is you go, okay, what's worse than that? I could get fired. What's worse than that? What's worse than that? I could probably think of a million things. How about they put a picture of me on the wall at work and say, do not hire this guy. That's embarrassing. That's humiliating. Uh, okay, what's worse than that? So your brain starts going in all these different directions so that when you're finally done, when you finally get to the what's worse than that question that doesn't have an answer, that's almost like there's nothing beyond that, and there can be a what's worse than that after death, <laughs> for especially for religious people, what's worse than that? I don't even want to go there. But when you get to the point of things being so bad after doing this incrementally worse and worse and worse thought process, you get into a space of, wow, my original problem feels different. So that's a neat exercise to go through. It's not always pleasant. Well, actually, it's always unpleasant because now you're going down a road that you don't want to go down. Uh, but it can be very helpful in um, shaking any feeling that you have that what you're experiencing now is uh, something so awful that you can't even get past it. And when you find out that there are so many other ways that this could be worse, it can be very helpful in desensitizing you to what's happening now. You'll just have to try it and see if it works for you. All right, number 10, and you've heard me say this a few times if you've been listening a while. If you woke up tomorrow and you were the only person on earth, would your problem still be a problem? Now you might say, well, you know, I have this injury and I, I would still have the injury if there were no people. That can be true. This may not apply to that. Or it may, I don't know. But I've learned that many of our challenges, many of our emotional, quote, problems have to do with other people. And when that happens, what would happen if we visualize, if we meditate on the idea that we wake up and we're the only person on earth? Where does our problem go? Does it go where those old problems that don't trigger us anymore go? Where does the problem go if there are no people except you? Well, yeah, but then I'll be lonely and I'll have, I'll have these other problems. That's okay. Those are other problems. I'm talking about this specific problem. Where does that go? Does it still exist? Just another one to play with there. All right, number 12, thinking of your problem. If you were in space, 
looking at our tiny blue planet from a million miles away. I think you can see our planet. I don't know if you can you see our planet from a million miles. Uh, would that problem still be a big deal? So I imagine myself in some spacecraft or another planet looking at the little dot called Earth, and it might look like a star in the sky in space where I am. And when I see that problem a million miles away, is it still a big deal? The first thought is, of course not. It's over there. <laughs> but this is dissociation. This is you separating yourself so far from the problem that one of those billions of people on Earth are experiencing this problem, or maybe there are more people too, but you're thinking about that one person way over there. Is it still a big deal when you're in this space a million miles away? This is very similar to other dissociation exercises that uh, I talk about where, you know, you're, and this is kind of out of the book of NLP, you're in a movie theater watching your problem on a movie screen. That's a neat exercise because you're out of your body, sort of, in the theater watching the problem unfold on the movie screen. And if you still feel any emotional attachment to that, then you can step out of that body and put yourself at the back of the movie theater watching yourself in the middle of the movie theater watching the problem on the screen. I like that dissociation exercise because we can actually do this. We can actually experience it as we visualize it. I just go the full gamut and say, okay, you're a mil million miles away from home and there's earth and there's your problem way over there. Is it really still a problem? Is it really still as big as it was? Try that out. Maybe you'll get somewhere with that. I'm going to read um, 13 through 16 and leave 17 for the outro because it's a special one. Number 13 is... Who do you need to be in order for this problem to be resolved? This is a little bit of a thinker. This is a deeper one where you might have to consider who you'd need to be, and that has room for interpretation. Who do I need to be in order for this problem to be resolved? Where do I even go with that? How do I answer that question? How I answer that question is, well, who do I know that has resolved this problem, and how did they do it? Okay, I can think of someone right now. Um, okay, so do I need to be this person? Well, I'm not going to be that person. But what behavior did that person exhibit to solve the problem? What steps did they take to resolve the problem? Yeah, but they didn't have the mom that I have to deal with. They didn't have the spouse that I have to deal with. That's all right, but what would they do? Because they were resourceful enough to do it. Or maybe you can't think of anyone that resolved this problem. So now you have to become someone that doesn't exist. Unless... You've seen somebody do something similar on a movie screen, going back to the movies, right? If you've seen some character in a movie that resolved a problem like this, what did they do? Or if they didn't resolve it, who were they? What kind of person did they show up as? And when you think, okay, if I were that person, what would I do? And that might be scary to you. It's like, well, I would never do that. I couldn't do that. That's, that's scary to me. That's all right, because all you're doing is answering the question, who do I need to be in order for this problem to be resolved? Well, I don't think I can resolve this problem. That's okay, too. Just ask yourself who you need to be in order to resolve it. Well, I'd need to be a magician <laughs> or whatever comes to you. But try to be realistic. Try to be in that space of who you need to be. All right, number 14. And this is another one I kind of stole from NLP. Uh, in how many ways have I failed at resolving this problem? So thinking about your problem, in how many ways have I failed at resolving this problem? 
Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, that's a crappy feeling. Oh, I don't like that feeling. That's all right. This is just an exercise, right? <laughs> How many ways have I failed? Well, um, let me think. Um, you know, this is one of those moments where you have to consider everything you've tried. Now, the challenge here is that maybe you haven't tried. Maybe you haven't tried different ways. Maybe you just gave up because the problem was so big that you didn't think you could try anything. That's where this question really gets you. <laughs> if you can think of many ways, then that's a different story. But if you can't think of any ways, in how many ways have I failed? Well, I haven't failed in any way because, oh, what's your answer to that? Pause if you need a moment. Number 15 is, if the problem disappeared right now, who would you become? That's kind of along the lines of who do you need to be? If the problem disappeared right now, who would you become? Think about that. That's a good question that really starts to help you shape the person, I don't know, you want to be. Wouldn't that be nice? The person you want to be if this problem disappeared right now. Number 16, last one before I talk about 17 during the close of the show. Number 16 is, if the problem never existed, what would be different today about everyone else around you? This one throws the brain into a different direction altogether. If the problem never existed, what would be different today about everyone else around you? So this doesn't have to do with you anymore. It has to do with other people. How would they show up if your problem didn't exist? What would they be like? What would be different about them if your problem didn't exist? So that could work for you. That may not, but give that some thought. And I've given you a lot to think about today. This is one of those uh, questions episodes, but this may be worth listening to again if you're working on a problem. And of course, if you're a patron member at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com, you can download the workbook on this. But I hope this list has helped you maybe break apart what the problem is in your life. Even if there's multiple problems, you can work on each one separately. These are things that I ask myself, not all of them. I mean, I don't think about all of them at once, especially when I'm in my problem. I don't probably don't think of any of them. <laughs> I'm just in my problem. But when I get out of my problem and I can look at it with um, more clarity, then they really start helping me reshape it and work with it. And it's, it's sort of like working with clay. You can reshape it, work with it, turn it into something else, and maybe just roll it up into a ball and throw it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? But we'll be right back. I'm going to say some thank yous and then close the show right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Veronica for her donation to the show. I appreciate you, Veronica. It's good to connect with you. And uh, this isn't something I mention too often, but um, there is a Facebook group for The Overwhelmed Brain called The Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group. And if you search for that on Facebook, you'll find it. And for those of you who have signed up to join, there's one question that several people have not answered. So if you sign up to join, it's going to ask you, are you 18 or older? 
If you don't answer that question, I can't let you in. So go ahead and answer that question so I can let you in. There's a few people waiting that haven't answered that question yet. So if you're wondering why you haven't been let in yet, that's probably why. And if you're interested in the group, it's a great place with a lot of safe, non-judgmental people that express, that share, that ask questions, and gets into some deep conversation. And I show up here and there uh, with my input too. So would love to connect with you in there as well. That's the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group. And I want to thank Sheila at PiecesOfAMom.com for her mention of the show on her blog. Hello, Sheila. And I also want to thank our sponsor. I want you to visit greenchef.us forward slash brain to get $50 off your first box and enjoy the expertly prepared meals that you can have delivered right to your home. That's greenchef.us forward slash brain. And I also want to thank Daniel for joining the patron program and anyone that's a patron member that is supporting this show. It means a lot to me. I mean, not only that, it helps keep the show running, (laughs) but it also gives back. So if you go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com, you can find private episodes in there and private workbooks and worksheets, including the one that I created for this very episode. So if you want to uh, support the show, you'll get those extras as well over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And I appreciate existing patron members. You are an important component to this show. And I also appreciate anyone that uses the Amazon button at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. That helps support the show as well. And of course, I already thanked Veronica for her donation. There's a donation button at theoverwhelmedbrain.com as well, in case you just want to show your support on the fly. <laughs> and like every show, I want to tell you about the mean workbook over at loveandabuse.com. This is for you if you have a difficult or complex relationship and you just can't figure out why. If you often feel bad or guilty or get blamed or made to feel responsible for most, if not all, the problems in the relationship, if you feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time, or if you find it difficult to get your emotional needs met by your partner, maybe there's something more going on that you need to look at. And um, the Mean Workbook has a 200-point relationship assessment tool, which helps you pinpoint the level and type of any manipulation or emotional abuse. I mean, you probably don't want to think that's happening in your relationship, but sometimes you want to make sure that it's not just so you know what direction to go with your relationship. Anyway, go over to loveandabuse.com to check that out because quite frankly, relationships aren't supposed to be difficult. I don't know what you've been told, but they're not supposed to be difficult. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And like I said, I have one more step to recentering and getting into a balanced state. And I really want you to absorb this and listen to my words as I speak them in a way that you follow along. So if you're driving, it may not work, but if you are in a space where you can just stop so that you can maybe have some new realization, some new insight that when I speak this to you, you may find yourself in a new space with one of the challenges or problems that you've been working on uh, in this episode, if you chose one. If not, and you're just listening for educational, informational purposes, that's good too. But this is helpful if you have a problem or challenge in mind and you want a way to perhaps uh, break it apart. You want a way to get beyond it or at least take the first step to get beyond it, to get through it, to heal from it. Are you ready? Just take a moment and relax. Because sometimes we carry around problems for so long that we've forgotten how to relax. And when we have this problem that we're dealing with and we believe it's never going to end or believe we don't have a solution, 
Sometimes there's something beyond the problem or underneath the problem or a way to overcome the problem that hasn't occurred to you. So I want to ask you this. How will you feel days after your problem is resolved? How will you feel when you look back at the problem that you used to have, knowing that the problem is now gone? How does that feel? What is life like now that that problem has completely disappeared and you can now think clearly of all the ways that problem could have been resolved? Knowing that today you are clear and you have access to more resources because the problem has disappeared. So the solution to the problem is now easier to see. And when you look into the past, seeing yourself in the problem back then, what resources would you give yourself now from this place of clarity? Just sit with that for a moment. You know, sometimes we're so enmeshed and so embroiled in a problem that we can't see the solution because we're inside of it. This is why I want to walk you through something like this to take you outside of it, to help you see it from a distance, knowing that it's gone now. That distance from it can really help you see things differently. So give that some reflection, some thought, and maybe that problem will just resolve itself. Because sometimes you can go to sleep with that old problem in mind. And when you wake up, there's a solution you didn't know existed. Can't tell you how many times I've done that. So maybe that'll happen with you tonight. And no matter what, just keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want always take steps to grow and evolve you are powerful beyond measure and above all and this is something i absolutely know to be true about you you are amazing